This podcast is brought to you in part by our partner, Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is a free app that allows the user and creator to record and edit their podcast right there from your phone or computer. It also allows you to distribute your podcast across the globe to everyone that wants to listen to it on different distribution networks like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other networks. It has all, all your needs and tools all in one stop shop. So go ahead, please. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Yankee Cowboy podcast. I'm the only, only, the one and only Yankee Cowboy. I wish this is the first podcast of 2021. I want to wish you and your family all the very best in this upcoming new year. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be reviewing the AEW Dynamite episode from 1230, which was the tribute in the life of Mr. Brody Lee or John Huber or Mr. Luke Harper, uh, depending on what company that you've seen him wrestle for over the last 10 or so years. Um, it, I will say over the last, getting into the model of it here, uh, going forward, my schedule with posting uh, wrestling reviews will be out there as well on weekly uh dynamite episodes as well as some maybe some wwe programming uh depending on what's going on in their programming um it's been a quite a long time since i've watched some of their programming um this episode of dynamite to me was the most uh from what i've read and what i've seen is probably the most watched aew dynamite in the last three months um fans in attendance were over eighteen thousand, um which you know, it was the most uh, in attendance uh, dynamite on record for 2020, and uh, obviously there was an outpouring of support uh, for this man in so many ways um, because of the man that he was. There is no doubt that this man was well respected amongst multiple organizations because you saw it. And before I go into the show, I want to talk about that because this is the first time I ever seen a talent or a man pass away. And not only the mothership WWE uh, pay their condolences and respect, but around the world, most large organizations in the wrestling community pay their respect and condolences to the family um, and respect as well. Um, many wrestlers, which in other years past, if it's an old timer or a person that's been around the block a long time, but hasn't been on WWE programming in a long time, you don't see the outpouring of emotion and support from the guys that still work there. That's one thing that you do see there. Um, there was an outpouring of guys like um, the fiend um, uh, guys, the tag team guys, um, Kofi Kingston, Big E, I mean, you see it all through the WWE locker room, Shasha Banks. You see it throughout the locker room, which was a good, in my personal opinion, it was a very good show of support amongst the wrestling community to show that they are still a community and not really a matter of where you work or how you work. Um, it, it was very um, uplifting to see that. Um, I will say that the last time I saw a show that opened with a 10-bell salute with the entire locker room out on the was the passing of Eddie Guerrero. Um, and also personally, last time I saw it in person 
was when a good friend of mine passed away um, in the wrestling scene back when I was in high school, which was about 2005, 2006. So it was a good good tribute to open up the show. Um, they did have uh, Mr. Chris Jericho on commentary, which Jericho is always a very classy guy when it comes to these kind of moments and very – uh, in my opinion, he can he does a really great job on commentary. Um, in my personal opinion, it, it, if anything, he if it ever goes down the road with him being done with the wrestling business in the in the in ring performance wise, he's a beautiful commentator when it comes to telling the story and having emotion as well. So that tells the tells the story. Of course, uh, good old Jr. Um, Tony Schiavone and uh, Excalibur on commentary as well. So. Obviously, after the 10-bell salute, they kind of go into a uh, more of a tribute fashion kind of promo style thing uh, sporadically across the show. And it first happens with uh, John Moxley, the uh, former AEW world champion. And it it's very eye-opening to hear John talk about his obviously he's worked with uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper for a long time uh, in a WWE format, but to talk about being a father, which obviously the recent announcement that him and his wife are going to be parents as well as Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes. And to have those guys and those, and those families kind of communicate and talk about how uh, it's, it's different, you know, obviously uh, Mr. Brody Lee and, and Luke Harper, he, he was a family guy. Right. And, and, and not just a family guy and, and words. It was the family was around the business. It's, it was one of the few times that as a family, it was all about family. So it was a pretty cool uh, interview, a good promo there. Not really a promo, but a good tribute by John to talk about the comparisons to him, uh, both being parents and, and that kind of thing. Uh, what we see then in, in the sequence of the show is a three sequence of six man tags. And then it closed out with another six-man tag. So this is a six-man tag show, pretty much, uh, as a tribute with many members of the Dark Order uh, being in, being you, being kind of highlighted for their efforts and their their organ. Their Dark Order was obviously widely known in the organization as Brody Lee's faction. You know, obviously the leader, and so you saw a lot of young up-and-coming talent being highlighted. Uh, throughout the shows with uh, with that character, Brody Lee, and, and being the leader. And you kind of see that throughout the, the entire time, which was a great thing for a lot of young talent to kind of get really some really great work in. Um, the first six-man tag was Private Party with Matt Hardy and the Young Bucks with Colt Cabana. And I would have to say to see Colt Cabana – be used in, in this kind of way was actually pretty uplifting because Cole Cabana, at least in my opinion, uh, is still one of the greatest in-ring performers you'll ever see. Um, when not becoming not because of the spots or not because of the moves, but because it, he he can highlight film you in a, in a in a second. He's probably one of the guys that, if he wants to, can probably do a sequence of spots you yourself as a wrestling fan have never seen before, and that's really what. As a wrestling fan, you have to ask yourself, what am I going to see differently that I have never seen before? Okay, you you have seen the clotheslines. You have seen the kicks, the super kicks by the Bucks. You have seen 
you know, Matt Hardy and do his, uh, you know, side effect. And you've seen these moves get done before by these performers. You ask yourself in a night like tonight, what do you want to see from these performers? And I think they did a masterful job of telling a story and did a really nice job with, you know, the, the young bucks always kind of do their tandem spots and they do their, um, unique, um, kind of double downs and super kicks and they kind of do that, but you didn't see as much of that tonight. Um, you know, you didn't see as many over the top fast starts in these matches. You didn't see any of that. You saw a lot of let's do it. Let's do it slow. Let's do it methodical. Let's tell a story. You know, you saw the psychology part of the business kind of take away, take, take precedent here and take over, over a, a, a spot fest in a sense. And I think uh, the Plasha or the Moonsault by Cole Cabana was pretty awesome. The usual moves by Cole Cabana with the elbow, the bionic elbows, um, like the old uh, Dusty Rhodes was pretty awesome to see as a monta- as a kind of a um, as a thing as well. I will say that the gin and juice tandem spot that you see from Private Party is probably one of the most unique spots you'll see ever by a tag team because of the way it's, it's not just about timing. It's not the opponent really, the person getting the move done to them has to actually give themselves up to allow this move to happen. It's a probably a very, it it definitely takes a little bit of organization and it definitely takes a little bit of safety and you have to be smart about it. So I think that move itself is pretty, I'm looking forward to seeing that you see a lot of double down spots here. You see a lot of, you do see a good shooting star press. You do see certain moves that are kind of tribute to uh, Luke Harper and Brody Lee um, as well, which is pretty cool to see that. Um, but seeing Cole Cabana using the skyline uh, spot in the corner and then having the tandem spot by the Bucks to finish the match was probably a touching feat, in my opinion, to see Cole Cabana uh, do that in, in a very – very methodical way. And I think that was actually a, a good finish um, with Cole Cabana. Uh, you know, it's tough to watch some of these moves. Sometimes you kind of, as a fan, you kind of go, okay, what the hell, what the heck's the point of that? All right, guys. So while, while we're talking about this a little bit more here, sorry about that. I got a little interrupted there, but the, the one thing there, I think the Cole Cabana spot really illustrates is the ability to do a spot in the right moment, in the right timing. And it makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you see that going on, it's really indicative of how a wrestling match is going to play out. And you see it. It's a good ending with the double kick, double super kick spot, and then uh, Cole Cabana getting the, uh, I call it the sunset flip legs down, um, almost like a flip spot down pin, which is really, you know, a pretty pretty good spot, actually. Uh, very impressed by that. It's the agility and the ability to do that after getting a guy pretty much having to basically sunset flip him. Uh, and it worked out. I mean, the match was solid. Good 15-minute uh, match or so. Worth definitely watching for sure. I would recommend watching it um, as well. But moving on, we're going to – like I said, this this show had literally three six-man tags broken up by a in the show by the women's match. And then it went back to the ending, and the main event was a six-man tag followed by a pro, uh, an ending tribute to Brody Lee. So we're going to get to the next match here. Um, it's going to be Eddie Kingston and Butcher and the Blade. 
uh, accompanied by Bunny. And it's going to be Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and uh, Lance Archer, which anybody that has seen Lance Archer knows that that man is a mammoth amongst boys. And uh, it, it is amazing to watch him work. Uh, he came out in the old Luke Harper attire, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, and it was just a really – Archer was definitely highlighted as the big man. Obviously, they're going to keep that mentality and that integrity going to keep him hyped up as the big man. But to see him work with the Butcher, um, the the just the overall, to see him do um, some of the moves that he saw, that, that he did that was amazing to see Luke Har- uh, to Lee Lyons Archer in that sense. Uh, the Butcher uh, – the butcher in the in the slap fight at the beginning was it was probably the way they started that was pretty awesome, um, and it was actually really good as a two big guys kind of going at each other, and it just worked out. I mean, you can tell butcher is definitely. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to call it lean down, but he definitely looks stronger in the ring, more agile in the ring, more uh, definitely has worked on his ability to get some stuff done in the ring, which is really good. Um, it, it, you saw a lot of the Stu Grayson uh, butcher outside fight. It, the, the, the spot outside the ring was really good. Uh, you did see Luke Lance Archer do something I have not seen any big man do in quite some time since The Undertaker, which is literally walk the top rope and then do a moonsault onto, I believe it was the blade at the time. That was a pretty interesting spot, and if you ask me, and I was looking forward to it. It was just amazing. Uh, good overall, just good solid match, about a good 10 to 12 minutes. And it just, I would say maybe 15. Um, it was just really solid. Uh, good tag match, good work. Evil Uno, Stu Grayson did. See, to me, Evil Uno is a solid worker. I, I'm not like not overly hyped it, into that hype train with them. Stu Grayson has a lot of athletic ability and you can tell that by their moves that they conduct, but it, it's not overwhelming, you know, like, it's not like, Hey, Ooh, ah, I have never seen it done before. It's these guys work really technically solid. And as a fan, you really do want your, your performers to, to perform in a really awesome manner and not hurt anybody. And, and you can see it, um, I believe it was just a really solid match, and, and it really didn't really overwhelm me on the spots. It didn't. It was just put well put together. It was a, it was a fluid match. There was a lot of there was a like I said the the baby faces were, were obviously Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Lance Archer. Heels were definitely great. Uh, Kingston, Butcher, and the Blade, and you can just tell it was just. It was a solid one, two, three, easy finish. Nothing over the top, nothing over the exceptional of the rule. Well, good match put together. But the the really, in my opinion, the, the two big matches of the night were definitely coming up here. Um, and it was definitely going to be – it was Hangman Adam Page, uh, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and it was against the uh, – it was against MJF and Santana Ortiz, which was, you know – the. That was the match that, you know, I can tell that the show was built around because of the way a lot of the stuff happened in the ring. 
Obviously, the top two guys in this match were MJF and Hangman Adam Page. And it was extremely well done with the way they tagged, the way they worked through things. Uh, the double down spots with uh, with, with uh, John Silver. Silver wearing the old attire for Brody Lee that was custom made for him. Really good stuff. Um, it was definitely MJF kind of got, got me a little laughter there because he was wearing – um, the Puerto Rican flag on uh, his tights, which was basically just a kiss-ass situation to Santana Ortiz. Uh, one of the cool things I think I saw, um, which really did really was really nicely done, was uh, Santana did the Latino Heat, the triple the triple uh, triple suplex spot like Eddie Guerrero used to do, which I have not seen a performer actually conduct itself in the same manner as Eddie Guerrero, probably in about twelve years. So it was pretty cool to see that. Um, like I said, definitely the two double down spots they used with silver, hot tag, you know, was done right. But like I said, you can definitely tell MJF and Hangman Adam Page's work in the middle of the match kind of helped put the match completely over because it's the way it was done. It was the the smoothness, the the heel, the face, the everything that was about it. A um, little bit of re- little bit of work on the outside with MJF, t- obviously taking over his heat. Um, Brody Lee's son hitting him in the head with a uh, kendo stick was pretty cool. Um, definitely one of the match. Like I said, the match was definitely well put over because of the two guys with Hangman and MJF. Um, you did see a little bit of a big man uh, interference by uh, Wardlow. Which is just a big man interference, nothing over the, you know, it was just basically a, a it, it, he jumped in there, try to beat, beat the baby faces down a bit. And then um, Eric Rowan from uh, former Eric, Eric, former WWE talent, Eric Rowan came in, used to be a tag team partner of uh, Luke Harper or Brody Lee, uh, and came in and, and kind of saved the day there. Um, which, I mean, it was a solid. Uh, triple tandem spot at the end to finish the match, which was basically uh, a, a, a kick. I believe Brody Lee used a power bomb, and and I believe it was a the, the hangman finished the match with a, the sunset lariat there, and he did a really nice job with that. Pretty solid match. Um, really great, well put together by Hangman and MJF and the Heat. Pretty much the entire inner circle was out there on the ringside between Sammy Guevara, um, Wardlow, Jake Hager. And there was not really any hype going on for the following week, uh, which they're obviously having matches. Uh, they're well put together there. So um, they did put up after this match, they did uh, advertise the card for next week, which is a Fun-filled, stacked card, um, which I won't discuss here. Uh, it, it's actually pretty solid, actually, between um, tag match, uh, singles competitive matches, things like that. So the the breakup match kind of was the the match in between the, like I said, between the the main event and the tribute at the end. It was the women's match between Ty Conti and Anna Jay. Part uh, obviously Anna Jay, a part of the Dark Order versus Penelope Ford and Dr. Britt Baker, um, with Rebel. Um, and I, I will say that this match, no disrespect to Anna Jay or Ty Conti, maybe the two people that they faced that night were not the two best people to face. Um, 
not saying Britt Baker can't work the ring, but it, it's obvious in that in Penelope Ford's obviously can work. Um, she's shown that over time. Britt Baker can, but it looked like it was not well put together. There was a, a, a botch spot by Rebel on the outside where Ty Conti, instead of, you know, the, the referee's back was turned, and instead of putting her in the slower, you know, throwing her back in the ring so that the, the heel team can kind of get some work in, they she couldn't figure out what side of the apron to put her on. And Penelope Ford literally does a double knee down on the on the apron. Um, but it she she goes from right side to left side, puts her on the left side, does the double knee down, and then goes back into the match. You can tell Britt Baker that went on a little longer than what it was exposed to. That was kind of the, the takeaway from the match. It was no take negative takeaway towards uh, Anna Jay or Ty Conti. Um, Ty Conti has some really great judo throws, which really were highlighted in this match, as well as Anna Jay's finisher with the, the, the Queen Slayer, which was obviously the sleeper hold that was used for the finish, which was obviously a tribute to their program with the Rhodes family, um, with Brandy Rhodes being choked out. And it was a well-done finish. Um like I said, this match was probably eight to ten minutes. Nothing over the craziness. Uh, also, Anna Jay did something that I've seen Brody Lee do, which was basically the reverse, like almost do like a hold your arm, you know, do like a like a almost like move, uh, not like a hammer lock, but then back kick you. She that was an obviously a Brody Lee move, and that was pretty cool to see. Um, so that was actually the the, the cool part of the the. the the really the like I say it was a break between the uh, between the two six man tag matches the girls match and then it goes to the main event and then it goes to the tribute so when you have the tr- the end of main event was Cody Rhodes Orange Cassidy and Ten from the Dark Order versus Team Tens which is basically Big Man Hobbs uh, Ricky Starks and uh, Big Man. Man, I, I I have more respect for this big man than anybody else. Big man Brian Cage. That man is an athletic machine, and it's not because I you know he's he's a, he works out a lot, but uh, he the man can actually do some really athletic things in the ring that I have not seen a big man do in quite some time. Um, really good. This overall match, well put together. Definitely, I would recommend sitting down and watching that match because it was the double tags the. The the, the the I would say the camaraderie, the the workmanship, the way it was designed, you could definitely tell Cody Rhodes had a hand in a lot of the st- some of the stuff as well. Um, beginning of the the beginning of the match was actually pretty solid uh, to a sequence, and, and just the beginning, the middle, and the end was all well put together. Um, obviously, the uh, a lot of pump handle. I call it the pump handle slam setups for like reversals you saw a lot of that you saw a lot of pump handle slam like pick the guy up like a pump handle slam and then you reverse it into a reverse ddt or you saw it into a push off or you saw a lot of that uh with the big guys and everything um and you saw something like i said in 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 brian cage that i I'm, i'm still infatuated with is the fact that he could do a delay suplex vertical suplex hold a man around there he doesn't have to do the whole marching thing and be cocky and arrogant. He can literally just do all of that, hold him up there, and then drop you. 
And then you have Ricky Starks try to do the same spot, and then it's you know countered by uh, Orange Cassidy, which it was a good back and forth situation, well put together. Um, definitely the reason why this was the main event. Um, good tandem spots, good and good good ending, a good finish of this match overall. That really kind of intrigued you because the way how they're going to finish this. You have Cody Rhodes, which he obviously has his finish. Uh, 10, who uses the, uh, the sidewalk slam or the spine buster. Um, and that's how it finished. It was a DDT. Well, actually, Ricky, how the sequence started was it was a tornado DDT with use of the rope, the top rope by Ricky Starks. He drops it down. Then it kind of it kind of fizzles out and then to another sequence. And then it goes into the finish with 10 getting the spine buster in for the finish. And uh, and basically, after the match is over, it becomes a heel beatdown with the Rhodes and uh, Ten and, and and Orange Cassidy. And then it then you hear the music of Darby Allen come out from the side door uh, in the crowd, and then the lights go out. Uh, the lights went out, and then it was Darby Allen, and then the lights went out again. And of course, they're uh, theatrical snow started coming down and sting comes out with Darby Allen walks to the ring and kind of does a stare down spot uh, to end the show. And then the, uh, the tribute begins after they come back from a commercial break. And um, you can tell Cody Rhodes and, and, and the management team of AEW definitely were not prepared for the death of, of, of uh, John Lewis. And, and, and Luke Harper and Brody Lee, it, it obviously he did have a. a there, there's still uh, this is probably the one most documented stories uh, I've ever seen in the wrestling business that the entire locker room kept a secret about how this man passed away. And I'm not saying it, they did it in a, in a diatribe to be disrespectful. They did it in a way that was respectful for the family of the man that passed away because out of privacy. The man had a lung condition that's not related to COVID-19, and the man passed away tragically, suddenly. It wasn't something that, you know, these guys knew the guy was using drugs or he died in a car accident. No, this man was sick and was off TV for over a good period of time trying to get his health in order. And when you saw Tony Khan, I think it was about three months ago, do an interview based on Brody Lee, it was – it, it hurt him. You can tell. You look at his face. Like you, you can tell that he, 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 he knew something was wrong, but he couldn't tell the fans. And it was that out of it wasn't a disrespect for the fans. It was out of love and or love and respect for his family, which I I understand that. Um, Cody Rose did a very, very, very uh, touching tribute to him, um, which you know later in, in this segment, it it kind of hurt me as a fan watching because he comes out, um, he does the introduction of his oldest son, uh, Brody Lee Jr. And obviously uh, Luke Harper, Brody Lee's wife and his oldest son come out. His wife comes out with her, his wrestling boots, which as a, as a wrestling fan, it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult to see that. Um, he puts his wrestling boots down in the middle and they drape it over with a bandana that he used to use. And 
Tony Khan declares Brody Lee was the best TNT champion of all time and hands the belt to Brody Lee's son. And they end the show with a tribute video, which, which by the way, had WWE superstars in said pictures. So obviously there was some sign-off between the two organizations, not saying they were colluding with each other, but I'm saying out of respect for this man's life, they did it. So, guys, this is going to be one of the most touching episodes of wrestling you'll probably ever watch. And I think as a fan, in closing, you have to respect AEW for trying to pay dividends and pay respect to a man that was universally not not, not despised, not anything. It was a well-done situation. And I, I think everyone who is a wrestling fan from past or present should sit down and watch that and have an appreciation for how a tribute show should be done. So that being said, guys, I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you for listening. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, Yankee Cowboy 27 um, On Twitch, same thing. Um, like I said, I will be posting more podcasts coming forward in 2021. Um, well, obviously with sports, politics, and wrestling. So appreciate it, guys. This is Yankee Cowboy signing off.